Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Synergy Health and Wellness Podcast. I'm Dolores Van Borgendine, an advanced practice registered nurse, addiction and mental health specialist, blogger, author, mother, and all-round health and wellness fanatic. In this podcast, I aim to answer the common and not-so-common questions that come up every day, be they related to health, diet, exercise, and so much more. I aim to provide you with evidence-based answers and information from leading experts in their respective fields. I'm passionate about how we can all lead our best lives, healthier, happier, and free from stress. For more information, you can find me or contact me at Dolores at SynergyHealthAndWellness.net, on social media on Instagram at SynergyHealthAndWellness, and on Facebook and Twitter. Welcome to Health and Wellness Simplified. Hi there, everybody, and welcome to today's podcast where we're going to jump into or delve into the topic of telehealth or telemedicine. Part of my new job here in Juneau, Alaska, is actually providing telemedicine to people or patients and clients that are located at a distance from where I am. So I'm based in Juneau, but I do also see patients located in Anchorage, Wasilla, Kenai, and also in Ketchikan. I'm also in the process of getting my license for Washington State, and hopefully I will also be able to telemed into those patients located in our clinics in Washington State. I work for a company called Ideal Option, and they provide medication-assisted treatment solutions for people suffering from substance use disorders in multiple states. We have approximately 62 clinics now, so I'm thrilled and delighted. One of the reasons I took this job was because I'm able to provide more care to more patients, and especially those patients who otherwise wouldn't be able to avail of services. And I'm doing this through the uh, modem of telehealth. So some interesting statistics when it comes not even to just starting with telehealth itself or telemedicine. And there is a difference. I will explain it in a minute. But some interesting statistics, telemedicine and telehealth is a great medium to provide care to those patients that otherwise would not be able to access medical care. In the United States, approximately 97% of the land area is considered rural. The population, though, that is considered a rural population is approximately 19.3%. And these statistics are going back to 2016. But that equates to nearly 60 million people. So that's 60 million people who live in rural areas in the United States who may not be able to access medical help. In addition to that, there is approximately approximately 5.6% of the elderly. This is coming from a Medicare statistic from 2015. Actually, I beg your pardon, that statistic is coming from 2011, but approximately 5.6% of the elderly are considered homebound. That's nearly 2 million people. They cannot get out of their houses for whatever reason, and they cannot access medical services at tertiary centers in the United States, and that's 2 million people. In addition to that, there's a statistic regarding public transportation facts, and this is actually blew me away that approximately 45% of all Americans do not have access to any form of transportation, or it is actually difficult for them to get access to public transportation or a lift or a ride to appointments and medical appointments. And that's where telemedicine actually comes in. And it's a great medium for these patients to be able to access quality care, to be able to access specialist care as well, which is fantastic here in the United States. So let's just talk a little bit about telehealth and telemedicine. 
I did want to, because I had to look it up myself, I did want to discuss what the difference is between them. Telemedicine is where you have a physician or a provider, a nurse practitioner, PA, on one end providing medical care, help, treatment, prescriptions, advice to a patient on the other end of the phone. So that is telemedicine. Telehealth, though, is just a, a very broad term that encompasses any exchange of medical information from one person to another via the means of video conferencing, for example. So that is the difference. I'll just read a little explanation here. It says telehealth is different from telemedicine in that it refers to a broader scope of remote healthcare services than telemedicine. Telemedicine refers specifically to remote clinical services, while telehealth can refer to remote non-clinical services as well. So that's the difference between the two. And as I said, I had to look that up before because I was confused too. I've used the terms interchangeably. I think it's nearly the same as using the terms holistic and holistic, W and H. But according to eVisit, which is a provider of telehealth services, the global health market, telehealth market will grow from approximately 18.4% from 2014 to 2020. More than 74% of all patients in the U.S. would use telehealth if it were available. And more than 76% of all hospitals in the U.S. now have some sort of telehealth platform. In studies that were done, for example, there was a study done at New York Presbyterian Hospital where they shaved nearly two hours off ER visit times through the use of telemedicine. It is the future going forward and it is the future of medicine going forward. And there is a push towards virtual first where most insurance companies and providers are triaging patients via telehealth, ordering labs, radiological tests, prescribing medications, etc., all before the patient has an initial face-to-face encounter. And we've seen this with an awful lot of insurance companies, large insurance companies for employers. I do know somebody who works for a very large corporation in the United States who has, I think, United Healthcare, and she is required to speak to a triage nurse if she has any problems. Of course, if it's a major medical emergency, she needs to go to the ER. But if she has a cough, cold, flu, a urinary tract infection, some of those symptoms, very kind of urgent care type symptoms, she actually calls a 1-800 number and speaks to either a a nurse or a nurse practitioner who triages her first. And a lot of companies are actually going towards this mode of treatment. Surveys also show that while many thought that telehealth would be very, very impersonal, nearly 76% of all patients cared more about the fact that they had access to care rather than the need for human interaction in person. So, I mean, if you're a mother with a sick child in the middle of the night, it is an awful lot more convenient for you to pick up the phone and to video conference a nurse practitioner on the other end of the line to go through some symptoms than it is to pack up and bundle up a sick child and maybe even other children in the household to take them across to a emergency department or urgent care to sit in that emergency department or urgent care center for three, four, five hours and only be seen, you know, multiple hours later for something that could potentially have been treated over the phone. And in addition to that, medications could have been called in and picked up at a 24-hour pharmacy. Studies have also shown that there is a reduction in readmission rates in hospitals when patients are followed up via telemedicine. So when a patient comes into the hospital and they come in, for example, with congestive heart failure and they're discharged home after four or five days, those same patients can be followed up by the hospital and or the primary care provider to make sure that the patient is following the discharge instructions appropriately. As a hospitalist and having worked previously in primary care, I can't tell you the number of times that patients have been discharged charged home and for whatever reason they went home without a script 
they didn't know what their follow-up was, etc. And these initial problems that would possibly even result in a readmission to the hospital, these things can actually be dealt with immediately so as they don't become a problem. It's a win-win situation for everybody, win-win for the patient, win-win for the hospital, win-win for the insurance companies, because those uh, admissions to the hospital tend to be very, very expensive. The number of patients treated via telemedicine has increased from 350,000 in 2013 to nearly 7 million in 2018. This is in the United States and with no cap in sight. It's a world-changing challenge, giving access to care to all of those people who previously might have had barriers to healthcare, especially those, as I already said, living in rural and remote areas. Another area where telehealth is also being used is in the area of incarcerated patients, patients who are in our jail system, and as I mentioned before previously as well, those who are homebound. These numbers will definitely increase. Medicare recently passed the Creating High Quality Results and Outcomes Necessary to Improve Chronic Care Act. The acronym is CHRONIC, which expands telehealth services to those with Medicare and chronic diseases. So that will give access to care to an awful lot of more people in the home who can be seen using telehealth. So up to this point, telehealth was really a luxury that was only afforded to large hospitals and insurance companies, and especially those people who could afford to invest money in the technology and networks that were required to build telehealth platforms or telemedicine platforms. Things are changing at a rapid rate now with multiple companies now in the marketplace that are providing telehealth solutions for private practitioners. These include video conferencing solutions and also EMAR solutions, which I'll get into in a second. But let's take a look at the advantages of telehealth, and there are tons of them out there. Some of them may have been mentioned before, but uh, telehealth can be offered to those in rural locations, to homebound patients with chronic diseases. Access is now available during off hours when doctors' practices are closed. Multiple companies are providing a 24-hour service. It's very, very convenient for those people with children, as I said, who wants to bring three sick children into an office. Also, one of the other advantages is it actually decreases the spread of infection in studies that they've done. Routinely, we've been bringing people into the primary care office for Excuse me, if you had a, a flu, for example, you would come in and see your primary care doctor or the urgent care. You would sit there in the office with other people there with you, possibly infecting those around you who came in for some other reason. So it does decrease the spread of infection. Patients don't have to take the time off work to go and see their doctor. There is also very little wait time as well. So you can actually either make an appointment in advance or you can actually pick a service and dial in immediately and get immediate access so you don't have to take time off work. No commuting to and from these appointments. You do have access to specialists, as I said before, and many of these services will provide prescriptions electronically that are sent directly to a patient's pharmacy where they can be picked up. One of the things, I'll mention it again actually in a few seconds, but some of the disadvantages are though that some patients would prefer a face-to-face encounter with their provider and, and that does suit some people. Some conditions are absolutely not conducive to telemedicine. If you are having active chest pain, for example, or difficulty breathing, are definitely two things that couldn't be treated. And I'll get into that in a second. Where the cost is good for some, it may not be good for others as well. Some may see the cost of actually a telemedicine visit as high. And also there is a problem with a lack of continuity of care. So for example, if you're calling up 
to one of the companies that is providing telemedicine services, you may not see the same doctor on multiple visits or repeated visits. So those are some of the disadvantages. One of the things that I do want to point out, and this is for my nurse practitioners who are listening to this, one of the requirements, for example, is that the nurse practitioner or your provider needs to hold a license in the state where the patient is located. So for example, I'm located in Juneau, Alaska. Most of my patients that I'm seeing, actually all the patients that I'm seeing right now at the moment are located in the state of Alaska. I have a license, an independent license as a nurse practitioner in the state of Alaska, so I can treat those patients. Right now, I do not have a license for Washington State. Therefore, I cannot see patients in Washington State. And as I already said, I am getting a license now for Washington State so as I can expand my scope of practice and see those patients located. So you just have to make sure there are some licensing rules for providers. So getting on to those conditions that can be treated and can't be treated. For example, very general conditions such as upper respiratory infections, sinusitis, non-complex urinary tract infections, yeast infections, rashes, flus, allergies, asthma, simple bronchitis, colds, cold sores, migraines, all of these things can be treated. Migraines is one of those ones I think I'm kind of on the fence about whether that should be included because migraines can mimic other things, but migraines can be treated. For your GI problems, stomach virus or flu, nausea, heartburn, indigestion, upset stomach, diarrhea. What was the ad? But anyway, diarrhea and constipation, all of those things can be treated. Acne, bacterial infections of the skin, cellulitis, impetigo, insect bites, eczema and dermatitis, all those things can also be treated via telemed. Simple ear infections, pink eye, erectile dysfunction for males, menopause for females, menopausal symptoms. Specialist referrals can be provided to patients. Mental health referrals can also be provided and some mental health assessments can be treated. Um, Mental health is one of those areas that I'm kind of, first of all, it's not my scope of practice, I'm glad, although I do love those patients. But in terms of telehealth, I think that's a real difficult one as to whether those patients need to be seen face-to-face in person, especially for a first visit. For me, I would definitely like to see a mental health patient in person, face-to-face, before I start prescribing or if I started to refer them or refer them to another specialist even. Addiction medicine and substance use disorders can be treated via telemedicine. The initial visit with these patients, just like mental health, the initial visit with these patients is usually done face-to-face. Prescription refills, again, can be treated and provided via telemedicine. What can't be treated? Chest pain. Uh, syncope, shortness of breath, syncope, passing out, broken bones, of course, bleeding or trauma, any unstable vital signs, you know, pulse ox in the 80s. Uh, that's a, that's your oxygen saturation. Heart rate, very, very high, very, very low. Some of these very unstable vital signs, definitely I would refer those out to go to the emergency department or even possibly an urgent care, but usually an emergency department. Let's talk about the costs of these things, okay? The costs vary from provider to provider. So I did go out onto the internet and do a search. There is a doctor who's providing a primary care service for his patients which I think is a great idea. So what he does is this is this is taking concierge medicine a step further. So there is a particular doctor, I can't remember where he was located, I think it was Virginia. He uses Doc Talker, okay? And he charges $33 per every five minutes. And this is usually a perk that he actually provides to his patients. So I think that this is a great thing if you had a primary care, like a nurse practitioner who had her own primary care, if she wanted to be able to see more patients, she could also implement telehealth into her practice 
practice and for an established patient, they get five minutes of FaceTime to say, hey, listen, you know, I am your patient. I have terrible, I have a terrible cough or cold or whatever. And the doctor can see you and talk to you, discuss your symptoms, and then maybe even call in a script for you if warranted. Amwell is a completely online program. They charge $69 per visit. Teladoc is on a subscription monthly plan. Doctor on Demand is $49. Call on Doc is $39. Hey Doctor is $20. Plush Care is $99. Talkspace is a therapy plan and their minimum plan, which is $260 for their minimum plan. Actually, Talkspace I thought was pretty interesting because I do know that therapy rates are very, very high. I think they're around about $200 per hour. I do know some therapists in the state of Florida are charging, I think it was maybe $230 or $250 for 90 minutes. So $260 on their minimum plan for Talkspace is, I, I thought, was actually quite reasonable in the scheme of things. There are a couple of telehealth or tele, telemedicine providers out there who are really niching down for hymns, which I think is Snoop Dogg's platform, is a paper prescription, very limited men, menu, but they niche down to only very, very few diagnoses that they will actually prescribe for. But on the other hand as well, they do have a wellness area where they do sell some other products that you don't need a prescription for, some over-the-counter but they're including it in their in their platform. And, and as there is for hims, there's also for hers, which is the exact same as for hims, but now geared to a female market. For hims looks at things like erectile dysfunction, hair loss. For hers looks at things like urinary tract infections and also prescription birth control. You do have to, on both of those platforms, you do have to see a doctor to get your prescription prescribed. Then you also have companies like Maven. I do have a disclaimer here. I am a Maven provider. I just got accepted by Maven about four weeks ago. Haven't really started using their platform yet. I'm still in the works of getting my picture uploaded and various other things, but I am uh, one of their providers. They charge, I think it's $18 per 10-minute consultation with a nurse practitioner, and that nurse practitioner can discuss all different things, uh, urinary tract infections, pregnancy, birth control, and multiple other things, and that's a great platform for females. In addition to that, Genevieve is another platform they prescribe or they provide provide services for menopausal females. And I'm sure uh, it's, it's perimenopausal menopausal because those symptoms for a female can last anywhere from like from like zero to um, to 15 years once you go through that cycle. So they do pres- uh, provide medical uh, information for menopausal females. As I already alluded to, and as you can see from the, from the list that I just gave you of providers, many providers are specializing or narrowing down into a niche market. HIMSS offers consultations, prescriptions, as already stated, for erectile dysfunction, hair loss, premature ejaculational, ejaculation, wellness products for immunity and energy. The same for HERS and the same with Maven, which is a basically female platform, and also for Genevieve, which provides uh, information regarding menopause. And that's what I think you're going to see more of is more companies coming into the forefront prescribing these kind of niched down services for clients. 
So let's get on to another area which is really, really important when it comes to telehealth, and that's the whole area of HIPAA and HIPAA compliance slash compatibility. HIPAA, if you don't know, it stands for Health Information Portability and Accountability Act. And really what it boils down to is is that you cannot discuss a person's private health information with anybody else who doesn't need to know that person's private information. That's goes everywhere. It's doctor's offices, it's hospitals. You can't be seen talking in an elevator with another provider about a person's medical information. You can't go into superstar Mary Smith, who has 90 million followers on Instagram. You can't go into her medical chart because she was in your emergency department, nor can you go into a family member's, for example. But it's the protection of information regarding a person's health status. One of the big issues, of course, with telehealth is that you are talking to a person that's in another state, another room, another area, and you need to ensure that your information that you're talking about is secure and private. So for example, just to, to talk about one of the very basic things, and this is for providers, for example, in my office, in either in my office at home or in my physical office where I provide care, you know, people can't see my computer screen. They can't see the, the teleconference that's going on. They can't hear what I'm talking about or to whom I'm talking. Doors are closed. Curtains are, you know, drawn. It's a secure space. You have to make sure that that is, that is the same for every single patient. So, for example, if you're thinking of venturing into the area of telehealth, you're not going to be taking phone calls on your on your phone, which, by the way, it is possible to do. But you need to be cognizant and aware that you can't be just walking down the street and providing care to a patient. It's uh, very unprofessional. So you need to really have a secure location, a dedicated... I have my little office in my house, which is a completely dedicated office to uh, the healthcare that I'm providing or the, or the information or care that I'm providing to my patients. So it is private, it's secure... So HIPAA itself or compliance in healthcare is probably one of the major, if not the major considerations uh, individuals should have before embarking on setting up your own business with regards to telemedicine. So perhaps a better term when it comes to telehealth is your video conferencing. You, You need to ask, is your video conferencing HIPAA compatible? Thankfully, many companies out there are providing and developing and creating secure HIPAA platforms that are both compliant and compatible for patients. So the big question that people ask is, is FaceTime or Google Hangouts HIPAA compatible? According to an article by ProPsych Central, Skype, FaceTime and Google Hangouts all encrypt their data. So probably at a level that is stringent enough to meet HIPAA guidelines, it probably is compatible and secure. I will put a link to the to the HIPAA guidelines regarding telehealth and, and this discussion by ProPsych Central in my show notes. But if you, if you are looking for communication platforms and this is where for as nurse practitioners or as providers, we need to be aware. There's two different things going on. In telemedicine, you have a communication platform. Okay, so there are companies out there like DoxyMe, Zoom, Skype, FaceTime, Google Hangouts, Avaya, Video. There are platforms or communication platforms out there. They're the ones that provide the actual interface and that's the telecommunications part, okay? And there's also Simple Care, Simple Practice. Those are two other ones. So they provide the video conferencing. Some of them have great features whereby you just send a secure link in a text to your patient. They click on that link. It opens up the platform. 
they're on one end and you're on the other. The great thing about these platforms too is they send out reminders. So you cut down on no-show rates and it makes it very, very easy for the, even for those who are not tech savvy to engage in this type of medicine. So the other component, so the one component is your communication platform. The other component that you need to be aware of is your medical record. And that needs to kind of, you can actually use them completely separately, or you can have them interface with each other. There are some great platforms out there for EMARS. Practice Fusion is a great one. eClinical Works is awesome. Simple Care. There's, there's a bunch of them out there. So it really depends on what you want to use yourself just for your medical records portion of your visit. So that's just a little primer on telehealth. Oh, one of the other things I did want to mention that I did like actually about DoxyMe was the fact that they actually give you in your visit, you can actually cut and paste Oh my gosh, what do you call it? You can cut and paste the code to actually put a link onto your website. So, so is when somebody goes to your website, they just click immediately on that link and it takes, uh, takes you to a video conference with your provider. And that's one of the nice things about DoxyMe. So telemedicine is one of those things. It's not going to go away. It is, in my opinion, great that you now and now we as providers can provide medical care to patient populations that otherwise could not access care. So it's a great leveling field and you can provide great care to individuals out there who, who just may not have any access prior to this. So, so that's telemedicine, telehealth. Again, if you have any questions or comments, comments or you would like to get in touch with me, you can contact me at um, my email is Dolores at synergyhealthandwellness.net. Or you can also leave a comment on my Facebook or Instagram page. And next week, I think what we're going to do next week, I'm going to talk a little bit about medication assisted treatment programs. This is the company that I'm working for right now. It's absolutely phenomenal. And it will provide or we can provide medication assisted treatment to those people who suffer from substance use disorders things such as heroin addiction, alcoholism, to hopefully give these people hope and give them back their lives. So tune in next week for medication-assisted treatment. This is Dolores. Have a great week. Bye.